You're listening to Money Tree Radio with Jamie Bush. Hey everybody, welcome back to Money Tree Radio. I'm really excited to be broadcasting again. I know I've been away for a little while. Just want to apologize for that. I had to go over to Germany for a little bit. I had the privilege of being in Munich for about a week. It's always a good time visiting my European friends over there and just learning about Europe. And they have a much different lifestyle than us. It's fascinating. You can learn a lot by uh, watching what they do and how they live over there and their mindset and things like that. They have been civilized for many more centuries than we have in the States, so always a great opportunity to go over there and talk with them and just be in their environment and learn from their cultures and their experiences. And then I came back for about a week, and then I had to go to Cleveland for a convention basically the week after that. Also really impressed with Cleveland. Nice city. I expected it to be much more run down and old than it is, but it's really revitalized and they've taken a lot of the old industrial buildings in downtown and just made them into these nice new venues where you can really you know go and hang out and celebrate and eat or shop or anything like that so pretty impressive uh, there as well and then also I had some home renovations going on for that month so and one of the rooms affected was the room that I record my podcast and do this radio show in so apologize for being away for a while, but I am going to try to get back to a regular schedule for you guys and, you know, get to every two or three weeks posting something new. So that being said, um, I hope you like the changes to Money Tree Radio. I did have a voiceover done and I've kind of improved the intro and there's going to be some commercials within the episodes now that you'll hear. And I'll still try to keep the episodes to about roughly 10 minutes. One of the exciting things coming up in August is one of my friends who's a professional journalist is going to call in to the show and she's going to do a questionnaire kind of format. She's she's a professional journalist. She's going to ask me a bunch of questions that I'm going to answer about investing and personal finance. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that. That interview with her is going to happen in mid-August. So uh, stay tuned around the end of August. I'll post that up for you guys, and they'll be full of questions that you're probably going to want to know all about. All right, well, without further ado, let's get to the show. There's been a lot going on while I've been away off the air, from planes getting blown out of the air to Israel invading Gaza to uh, more problems with the Russians, and the list goes on and on. I was pretty shocked. I was actually over in Cleveland when Israel invaded Gaza and um, and that that plane got blown out of the sky over the Ukraine. It all happened in the same day and I came home at night and the, the market had crashed over it, which is typical on something scary like that, but I couldn't believe those two events happened in the same day. It seemed surreal, uh, especially while I was traveling in a way. So you had that happen. You know, that stuff, when it happens, as far as investing, those are scary events. But generally, those events, as long as they don't spiral into something more, which they generally don't, um, they basically will not translate into investment problems. But they can be great buying opportunities. You know, we got a big dip in the um, in the markets that day, 
and anybody who was able to buy in that dip, you know, the markets came kind of roaring back. But today, uh, what I want to talk about is some things that will affect the markets that are important to watch out for that people really aren't talking about too much. I haven't heard much news about it here, especially yet. I think in Europe, they're much more, uh, you know, exposed to it, maybe aware of it than we are here. Some of the news that's breaking here, you guys might be aware of. Some news came out recently this week with the U.S. unemployment and some other numbers. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the U.S. economy and also the U.S. markets. And I want to talk especially about what's going on in a couple other global economies that's pretty crazy and that we need to keep an eye out for because these are the type of issues that will affect uh, long-term market trends. So that being said, let's get down to it. I wanted to do this podcast first, you know, upon returning back to the show because it just happened. All this stuff is happening recently, and I think it's important to note. I think that as we go into the fall, we've got to keep an eye on these things, see what's going on, because I think it's very possible with all this stuff going on in the background and with new highs being made every day in the stock market, it would be wise to either take some money off the table or put in some trailing stops and stuff like that to protect against downside risk. I just think the risk is starting to pile up very greatly where we might be at a market top. And, you know, obviously whenever this market does top, it's going to probably crash equal or worse than what happened in 2008 because there's been so much manipulation and printing and inflation and stuff by the Federal Reserve that shouldn't have been done and, and to be honest, has gone on for far too long. Um, they've really got caught out there again. But that is the essence of a central bank. This happens over and over again throughout history. The bubbles get you know, bigger and the mountains and the valleys get wider and higher and lower, so to speak. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on. So I think about a month ago or so, the ECB came out with a negative interest rate, which is incredible. I've never seen an economy of this scale ever make an interest rate negative. In fact, it's never been done in the history of the world before. So we don't really know the effect of it. We know that some smaller countries have done it on a smaller scale in the past. Countries like Denmark, maybe some of the other Nordics or some other smaller countries. But the ECB is huge. Remember, it, it comprises of you know several countries in Europe. Uh, and what they're essentially doing is they're, they're creating a negative interest rate, which basically means, that, you know, think about it this way. Usually the interest rate's positive and you put your money into the bank and it's a savings account, right? And therefore you put your money into the bank and the positive interest rate allows you to collect interest on your account. It's kind of what we all think about when we put money into a savings account or a CD or a bond or something like that. You get a set amount of interest every month. On a negative interest rate, it's actually the inverse. You actually have to pay the bank money for the privilege to have your money at the bank. So a negative interest rate, the bank is almost like reverse the position where the savings account is benefiting them because you have to pay them to just have your money there. It's really a crazy concept if you think about it. Banks aren't that safe. I mean, banks collapse. People could lose money. It's It's nuts. So that's crazy. And what that ended up doing is, you know, the ECB came out and they made a big statement about, uh, you know, hey, 
we want the uh, we want people to start investing because what was happening was banks and other people were hoarding cash because they were scared and they could they weren't investing the money so the only thing the the central bank in Europe could think of was to make an in, a negative interest rate which would force people to remove their money from the bank and invest it somewhere now obviously Common sense dictates that you don't need an economics PhD like Ben Bernanke, who probably also agrees with this philosophy, to know that if you force people to invest in something, they're going to invest in all kinds of things, and they're going to create bubbles everywhere, and particularly probably a bubble in one or two asset classes more than another. It's a similar thing that happened with the real estate bubble in 2007, 2008, and also with the stock bubble in 2000. So... What happened? Well, it wasn't hard to figure out what happened. Everybody in Europe pulled their money out. But unfortunately, instead of the intention coming to fruition, so to speak, like, you know, the ECB hoped they would pull the money out of banks and they would invest in Europe. Well, the exact opposite happened. People pulled their money out of Europe and they went somewhere else with it. They started investing in uh, the Asian markets. You saw a lot of money come into the U.S. all of a sudden. The U.S. markets started going higher and higher on this because people in Europe were pulling money out like crazy and they were basically just shipping it somewhere else overseas because they had no confidence in Europe. They just wanted their money out of there. They don't want to be charged interest rates. I guarantee you a lot of them are still shook up and nervous about Cyprus. Uh, so, you know, exactly the, the outcome that you would expect. Then if we look at, uh, you know, U.S. unemployment, at the end of this week, we had a couple unemployment numbers rise unexpectedly, right? So that's pretty scary as well. So, you know, that took the market by surprise. They, the traders just looked at that and said, well, what just happened? You know, I thought the economy was good. Everybody's telling us everything's okay. President Obama's up there talking about, you know, lowest unemployment rate, and I'm creating jobs, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the typical government mouthpiece, right? They're not going to they're not gonna ever get up there and say, you know, things are worse than when we took office or anything like that. So they're getting up there and spouting off how things are better. And the next thing you know, out of, the, out of nowhere, it's like a sucker punch. Wait a minute, jobless claims are up. You know, other things are starting to look bad. You know, there's some, there's some corporate earnings that missed. What's going on? How come retail is soft? People aren't out spending money. All this stuff's not adding up, you know? So there's some there's some shots across the bow that have been fired in the U.S. that is kind of saying, hey, the economy's not as good as you think. And we've seen gold kind of crash, and then now we've seen it rebound and trickle up because people want that safety again. So, you know, you've got that going on. You've got a very interesting trade going on in gold. I think gold's going to be a long-term great opportunity. It may come down a little bit, you know, depending on when this next crash happens. Gold will probably come down a little bit, and then it will be like the prime buying opportunity of the century, I believe, because all this money printing and inflation that's happened is going to drive asset prices through the roof. I mean, I would not be surprised if when this happens that gold just skyrockets and, and and other assets you know it's just going to be inflation to the nth degree you know it could be get to a hyperinflationary kind of issue like we had in the 70s we'll have to wait and see but i expect that's going to come eventually once that money is forced into the markets and you know nobody's 
nobody's going to say that the Federal Reserve in the U.S. wouldn't use the same tactic as the ECB and create a negative interest rate. If they do that and they start forcing money into investments and into other things, you can guarantee that inflation is right around the corner. Give it a year and that thing's going to start really cooking. And if you don't believe inflation's here already, just make a notepad of prices at the grocery store, gas prices, things like that, and write the date and write the price at the time. And also look at shrinkage in your food packages. I know for a fact that many companies like Frito-Lay and stuff are making the same size potato chip bags and putting less in them and filling them up with more air. So you think you're getting the same amount, but you're not. You're actually getting less product in there. And if you start monitoring this stuff for yourself and stop trusting other people to tell you data, you're going to start finding some really weird things out. I guarantee you if you start measuring potato chip bags and things like that a little bit more or checking the, the weight on them, like say every six months you're going to notice some companies using some sneaky tactics. And that's inflationary too. If you're buying less of something for the same price, that is also inflation. So we've got a lot of inflation already creeping into the system. I expect a lot more to creep into the system. But yeah, keep an eye out for that. So I'm going to make a part two of this post. I've still got a couple other things that I want to talk about. Uh, especially I want to talk about this new financial law that the U.S. passed and why that's worrisome. That has to do with international countries and financial reporting of U.S. citizens. I want to talk about Argentina. They just defaulted. That's big news. And I want to talk about the Portugal banking crisis. So... Stay with me. We're going to go to commercial and I'm going to come back. You're listening to Money Tree Radio with Jamie Bush. Check out his ebook, The Top Four Ways to Invest in Gold and Other Precious Metals, available now. For more money saving tips and investment education, visit his website at jamiesmoneyadvice.com where you can sign up for free gifts and become a member. Find him on Twitter and Facebook. He wants to hear from you, so send him your comments and questions by email to jamie at jamiesmoneyadvice.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at jamiesmoneyadvice.com. Okay, guys, so we're back. This this uh, podcast is running a little bit long. Thanks for staying, sticking through it, but there's a few more things I want to talk about. First, Argentina defaulted again second time in 13 years they're blaming the u.s there was a you know to basically summarize there was a order by a, a judge that ordered argentina to pay some hedge funds in new york first before they paid the bondholders and they couldn't do it they come couldn't come to terms the hedge funds wouldn't negotiate and things like that and you know long story short argentina defaulted again as this default continues to kind of emerge we're going to see if it causes more ripple effects in Argentina if the default gets worse now right now they're saying they have enough money to pay the other bonds and stuff and it's not as bad as the one in 2000 but look a default's a default some people are still not getting paid the interest for their bonds and they might lose their whole investment or they might lose 50 or 60 or 70 percent of their investment and when money disappears like that it disappears and it is quite interesting that this Argentina default happened on Thursday 
of this past week, and you saw the market crash on Thursday and Friday of it. So some money disappeared somewhere. Something happened. There must be some ripple effect. The other thing that we should be wary of is the Portugal crisis. So I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but there's another bank. I think the second largest bank in Portugal is basically insolvent and about to default. And there's a huge thing by the Portugal Central Bank uh, coordinating with the ECB. But the name of the bank is, you can Google it on your own and read a bunch of articles about it. In fact, I'm recording this on a Sunday and they're talking about they're going to bail them out on Monday. So this might even happen tomorrow. But the name of the bank is BES or Banco Espirito Santo. That's the name of the bank, Banco Espirito Santo. So you can check it out for yourself. Um, it's a Portuguese bank. It's the second largest bank in Portugal. And the point here is, like I've been talking about on my site and on my blog, that Portugal is not fixed. Europe is not fixed. There are still several sick countries. Any of them can default. I don't know how much more fake money we can create to keep bailing countries out. But everybody keeps saying stuff is fine. It's not. Eventually, you know, we're going to have to pay the piper. Somebody's going to default. It's going to spread everywhere. So look it up for yourself you know like i said today's the this law was actually passed in 2010 but it was just for enforced into action in july so about a month ago and it's called fatca and you can research it on your own as well f a t c a which stands for the foreign account tax compliance act okay and so this bill on the surface sounds great but what it's doing is it's requiring any foreign financial institution, which would include banks, stockbrokers, hedge funds, pension funds, insurance companies, trusts, anything like that, to report back to the IRS all their U.S. account holders, or all their account holders that are U.S. citizens, as well as their account balances. And it's, you know, it also requires U.S. citizens to report it. But what's happening is it's a bunch of paperwork and red tape, right? So these foreign financial institutions, they just don't want to deal with the U.S. government. They don't want to send paperwork on their clients and tell, oh, they have this many assets in this account and that account and all that kind of stuff. So you know what the, you know what the companies are doing? They're basically saying we won't open accounts for any U.S. citizens. It's very hard to find a bank internationally right now that will open an account for a U.S. citizen because they just don't want to deal with this law. They don't want to report, you know, the account information of their clients, they don't agree with it, they don't want to work with the U.S. government in that way, but they don't really want to go against them either because it's the U.S. government. But what this is, you know, and then the second part, before I get to what, what it's causing, the second part is that U.S. citizens that have accounts in these other countries also have to report when it's greater than $10,000, right? Now, obviously, there's several rich people, several wealthy people across the world that are U.S. citizens that have their money in Switzerland or somewhere else, they, they diversify their money in different countries, right? It's natural. That's what you want to do to protect your money. Some of them might live part-time somewhere else, for instance, in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, or some other like Caribbean area, or maybe in South America. So they have a portion of their money in a bank down there because when they go down there for the winter, they want the money there so they can buy groceries and do all the things that you need to do with money, right? So they have a separate account in a foreign country. And now they've got to fill out all this paperwork and they've got to, you know, do all this stuff for absolutely no reason at all, right? And it's just gotten ridiculous. 
So what's going on is the countries are saying no more U.S. citizens. The U.S. citizens are saying, I don't feel like filling out this paperwork anymore. I'm bringing my money back to the U.S. Again, all those dollars that the Fed has created and all the money that the Treasury's printed, right, that sort of made it out into international countries right now because of the dollar being the reserve country, uh, currency in the world, it's starting to come back to the U.S. because banks are putting up a wall where you can't get the dollars out of the U.S. And U.S. citizens are saying, I just, this, you know, this is too much. I got too much other stuff to do than fill out extra paperwork for the IRS, so I'm bringing my money back to the U.S. Well, when the dollars come back to the U.S., that means the supply of dollars in the U.S. is going to double, triple, quadruple, who knows? So that's heavily inflationary. And inflationary pressure on the dollar will only drive up stock prices for so long before it cripples the, the, the base of the economy. People like you and me trying to purchase goods and they just get so expensive and the wages aren't keeping up with them and things like that. And then you have a problem where companies become less profitable and then there's a crash and a currency crisis and things like that. So I would expect over the next couple of years, you're going to see some inflation really take off. And I think the Fed's going to be really tested. And I think gold's going to be a really interesting investment. Anyway, so those are my thoughts on what's going on in the world economy. Yeah, so it's been a long podcast. Thanks for listening to everything, guys. Sorry I was away for so long. Again, I'm going to try to do probably every two to three weeks, come back and look for a new pod, you know, podcast on Money Tree Radio. And I always encourage you, you know, please email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at jamiesmoneyadvice.com with questions about what's going on in economics or if you have a question about a certain type of investment. I can't give you advice on individual stocks, but if you want to learn something about stocks or bonds or options or something like that, write in a, a general question, you know, maybe what I think about a certain investment class. I can talk about that on a future podcast. Anyway, hope you guys have a good rest of your day, and thanks for listening.